It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 219. We are a podcast that looks at news and views and culture and sport and lots of different things from a Christian perspective, but we are open to all. And uh, sometimes we deal with some pretty heavy stuff, but I do like to, I'm very interested in music, do like to feature music. And I thought there was so much in this week, so I've had to cut some of it out and put it on to next week. But I thought we would actually begin with this um, this musical item. These are the 10 songs that make you happiest according to science. There you go. Now, a couple of things to say about that, of course. Uh, first of all, living on a prayer and the monkeys, I'm a believer. Bon Jovi's living on a prayer, the monkeys, I'm a believer. Yeah, th- that could be in there. But seriously, folks, do you genuinely believe that this is uh, according to science? So I thought I'd do my own according to science. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to do one per week. The 10 songs that make you happy according to science. Wow. Wow. It's like a lot of this according to science stuff. It's just made up, isn't it? Well, I'm not making it up. you could got to believe me. Genuinely, these are the 10 songs that make you happiest. And this is number 10, the Radetzky March from Strauss. That's just wonderful. Okay, well, um, I was going to begin with Brazil, and we will get to Brazil. But something's happened here in Australia that I think is of enormous significance for 
Australia, yes, but I think in the Western world. Now, where I'm coming from is this. So can you, in today's society, can you lead an organisation if you don't have progressive views? I literally, just 30 minutes before recording this, I heard a journalist actually ask that as a serious question. And that has arisen out of something we're calling the Essendon Affair. Now, let me explain this a little bit. Essendon AFL is an Australian rules football team based in Melbourne. It has a membership of over 80,000 and it's considered to be one of the big four in Australia, big four, uh, sorry, in Victoria, one of the big four Australian rules football team. If you don't know what Australian rules football is, you're missing out. Uh, It's an incredibly uh, popular sport here. Now, this week, it appointed a local businessman, Andrew Thorburn, as its chief executive on a reported salary of $850,000. He lasted one day. The story is best summed up by the Herald Sun headline, Essendon's chief executive, Andrew Thorburn, has stepped down after shock link to the church was revealed. Now, I've written about this. You get a link to it. Uh, There are also links that are going to appear on the website to a superb article by Greg Sheridan. And uh, I mean, I I think this is of enormous significance and I'll tell you why. This shock link was not to a strip club, not to a gambling syndicate, not to a drug scandal. This was to a church. And what is astonishing here, it's not he was in effect fired, forced to resign, not because of something he had said or he had tweeted or he had done, but because of something that a pastor in his church had done 10 years ago. Not done, but said. And all that the pastor said was the Bible teaching on sex and sexuality and the Bible teaching on abortion. And that was it. And that was considered to be so shocking that he was compelled to resign. The implications of this are enormous. Dan Andrews, the Premier of Victoria, and others, big business, are saying that if you are a Christian and you believe the Bible, you cannot be in public life. This this day, and I have marked this day in my calendar, this day marked the day when Australia moved from being a pluralistic society to being a one-dogma society, a one-culture society. And I think Scotland's heading that way. I think the UK's heading that way. I don't think America's there yet, but you could be heading that way as well. Here is what Greg Sheridan, already mentioned him, had to say about this on Sky News. Kieran, I think this is a very gravely disturbing moment in the cultural history of Australia. Essendon Football Club has effectively declared itself an anti-Christian organisation. Daniel Andrews has uh, declared normal uh, Christian uh, mainstream positions to be abhorrent positions of hatred and positions of bigotry. Let's be quite clear. The church of of which uh, is under question does not deprecate gay people or demonise gay people or anything else. It says full sexual expression is to occur within marriage and that is a marriage between a man and a woman. That is the position of the overwhelming majority of Christian churches anywhere in the world today. I give you a thousand statements by Pope Francis, the hero of the global left, to that effect. Similarly, they say, um, you know, massive numbers of abortions are are killing of innocent people. That's also the position of Pope Francis, of 
all the Eastern patriarchs, uh, you know, all the Protestant churches or most of the Protestant churches. Uh, this is standard Christian doctrine. Now, it's OK. Our society has moved beyond Christian doctrine. That's all right. I've advocated a yes vote in the same-sex marriage plebiscite myself. That's fine. But what we're seeing now is not that Christian norms no longer uh, rule the society, but that it is effectively illegal for Christians to teach their traditional teaching. Now, Andrew Thorburn is a chairman of a church in which a pastor gave expression to traditional Christian teachings nine years ago, and for that, he is unfit to lead Essendon. So Essendon says it's against the law to ask someone about their religious beliefs, but it's within the law to sack someone for having traditional Christian religious beliefs. This is a dark and grave moment in Australian culture. It's an anti-Christian moment, and it has nothing to do with non-discrimination or inclusiveness or anything else. I tell you what, if the only thing that stood between you and death was the moral courage of the Essendon Football Club, you'd want to make your last will and testament. No, I think he's spot on. Uh, well, apart from uh, voting for same-sex marriage, I'd agree with every word he says there. Essendon Football Club has revealed itself as an anti-Christian organisation. It conforms, he wrote, precisely to the new prevailing public culture with that innate cowardice that allows institutions to perfectly reflect the lineaments of raw power. Essendon doesn't speak truth to power, it genuflects before power. The effective sacking of Andrew Thorburn as chief executive of Essendon because of his affiliation with the City on a Hill Church represents a dark new phase in cultural intolerance. Extraordinary. Ask about someone's religious affiliation, that's discrimination. Sack someone because of religious affiliation, that's inclusive. Just wow. Uh, catching up with something from last week, uh, chess. We mentioned Magnus Carlsen, who suggested that the American grandmaster Hans Moke Niemann was a cheater. And uh, it turns out that chess.com have produced a report that says he is. Not just a few times, but in more than 100 online games, including games that were for money. And then Brazil. I was going to lead with this, but uh, I'll tell you what, before we look at the Brazilian election, let's hear some of their anthem. Brazilian anthem, I, I don't speak Portuguese, but the English translation is incredibly poetic. Brazil, an intense dream, a vivid ray of love and hope to earth descendeth, if in thy beautiful smiling and limpid sky the image of the cross blazeth, and so on. It's an amazing country in, in so many ways, and the elections there have been really interesting because the former left-wing president, Lula, who was in jail for uh, corruption was expected to absolutely, in fact, to win this in one go. He's up against Bolsonaro, the right-wing candidate, who is considered to be, well, a lot of people are, were furious at the way he handed the COVID thing. And, you know, I, I mean, 
again, our media just say far right. I mean, he may actually be far right. I don't know. <clears throat> I really don't know enough about it. But I, when I hear the term far right now, it's, it's become just completely meaningless. In the election, Lula won 48.4% of the vote and Bolsonaro 43.2%. So they're going to have a runoff on the 30th of October. Now, it really was a shock. Uh, the pre-election polls had uh, Lula well before, well above 51%, Bolsonaro at 36%, you know, 15% ahead. In the biggest electoral college of the country, San Paulo State, polls had Lula winning by nine points. He lost by seven points. And Bolsonaro's Senate candidates have done remarkably well. So who knows what's going to happen? But again, it just shows we we allow so much of our policy and, and so much of our politics to be governed by polls, and polls are so often inaccurate. All right, let's come back to the Russia-Ukraine war. There's a lot going on there. The Ukrainians seem to be winning back large parts of territory. People are seriously talking about nuclear retaliation. But what concerns me this week is the nation of Armenia. It seems as though the Azerbaijanis are about to take advantage of Russia's weakness at the moment and attack Armenia. Uh, more than 105 Armenian troops have been killed already, and Moscow is now refusing to play peacemaker. So Armenia, and I feel a bit for this as well, because Armenia is the oldest Christian nation in the world. The implications of what's going on in Armenia, and by the way, uh, Iran as well, uh, we, we probably need to follow up some more on what we did last week, looking at the revolt against the Iranian government from women and girls and from others. Uh, that is ongoing, and that has significance in, in, in lots of different areas also. The world's in turmoil. So, okay, let's take a wee break and go back to the Redetsky march. Here's Marcin Jakubek's uh, metal version of it. I think I still prefer uh, the original one. All right, we are covering a lot of news because in the past two weeks we've been very obsessed with the Queen, I think. Uh, let's go to North Korea, which was visited recently by the American Vice President Kamala Harris. This is what she said. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And... It is an alliance that is strong and enduring. You know, I, 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 you have to wonder. America, the greatest, most powerful nation in the world, is governed by a president who's showing signs of dementia and a vice president who, how will I put it kindly, lacks intellectual competence is maybe the way of putting it. I mean, she was reading her notes and she still called... South Korea, North Korea, and didn't even correct herself. 
It's, it's just quite remarkable. And this is serious as well because North Korea on Tuesday fired a ballistic missile over Japan for the first time in five years. That is a major escalation. Uh, the Japanese actually asked people to take shelter while it traced the path of that missile. When you've got a country firing missiles over your country, it's very serious. Uh, this is serious too. In Washington, we keep getting told by Biden and Harris how great the American economy is doing. But for the first time ever, this Tuesday, America's gross national debt exceeded $31 trillion. Now, the problem there is, with inflation and the increase in interest rates, that is only going to go up, and even servicing that debt is, is going to be much, much harder. Record levels of government borrowing to fight the pandemic and finance tax cuts were seen by some policymakers as affordable. But now, with the rates increasing, it's looking particularly worrying. And then here's a, a sad story from Indonesia. Chaos erupted as fans stormed the pitch moments after the final whistle on the match which saw Arima lose at home to Persebaya Serabaya. Players had to be ushered away by security. Police say they started firing tear gas in response to the situation. The tear gas caused the crowd to surge towards the exit, where many people were crushed. The tragedy is already one of the world's deadliest sporting disasters and the number of fatalities is rising. Scores of injured people are being treated in nearby hospitals. In a statement, Indonesia's Football Association... It looks as though at least 125 football fans died. Um, it's just one of those horrible situations that it's almost inexplicable. Police officers shooting tear gas canisters into the crowd, beating fans with baton, and then fans piled up against narrow exits, crushing each other. Just desperately, desperately sad. But maybe I should give you a, a, a good news sports story. Here's one from Australia. Unbelievable, am I sure? Kick by Moses. And they streak some passing together here, and a kick now by Pedersini back on the inside, and chasing after oh. it! Jake Arthur scores a try! The trophy is staying in Penrith. They have defended their title. It is one of the greatest premiership defences the game has ever seen. They have lost four games all year. And they have completely dominated in one of the great grand final performances. Now, this for, for listeners from the UK, you're going to struggle with this. What do you think of when you hear of rugby league from listeners from America? I doubt you know what it is. Listeners from China, India. We've got a lot of listeners from India just now. I, I suspect you don't know what rugby league is. You know what cricket is, but rugby league. There's rugby union and rugby league. And I associate rugby league with being Northern English working class, uh, working class sport. Here in Australia, in New South Wales, it is the biggest spectator sport. Bigger than football, bigger than cricket. Bigger than rugby union, bigger than bigger than Australian uh, rules football, and the, these are all pretty big. And last week, P 
Penrith Panthers out in the west of Sydney versus Parramatta, who are also out in the west, Parramatta Eels, had this game. I believe that it was an 85,000 ticket sellout and the tickets sold out very quickly. And uh, I actually enjoyed watching it. I thought it was great. I'd love to go to a game. And again, it's just interesting about sport, isn't it? Again, I think it's largely working class here. But what strikes me about it here is so many of the Pacific Islanders. So I once did an outreach in a church and a couple of the people who came along and spoke at it were Pacific Islanders. And I just love the Pacific Islanders. I love their faith. I love the the depth. I mean, it's, it's funny because there's a kind of racism amongst intellectual liberal elites here who think that Pacific Islanders are basically backward because they're so religious. Uh, and that's not true. They're deeply intelligent and they, they know they, they can articulate their faith really, really well. And that's where faith and sport uh, comes into this. But I think sport is such a great release for so many people and it's just it's just good to watch, actually. But there's a sociological aspect here. Western Sydney is expected to grow by 2.5 million over the next two decades. And that's where the church is going to need to be and the church is going to need to grow. It is a, a, a remarkable area. And I just, as I say, I, um, I'm delighted to, to see this kind of thing ongoing. All right, I haven't done a film review for a while. We went to see this film last week. How long should they keep her? Till after the baby? (laughs) Sure, can't they keep her as long as they like? Well, here, I'm going to go. She'll let you have a house and home. Don't we all eat in spurts? Same as we grow. We keep the child gladly. That is an Irish film, an Irish language film called The Quiet Girl. Now, it doesn't have a massive plot, to be honest. But I will confess, I sat there and at the end I could hardly move. I was so moved by it. I was weeping, to be honest. It's described as a delicate drama that follows a shy nine-year-old who's been separated from her immediate family and left in the care of two distant relatives for the summer. After sun-dappled days spent milking cows, peeling potatoes and fetching water from the well, the initially uncommunicative child soon opens up to her foster parents. Textural and tender, this award-winning film shows that home is where you feel loved. Now, she then goes back to her dysfunctional home. That's it. That's the story. That's the plot spoiler. Well, there are some other things in there, but nothing major. But I think it's a long time since I've seen anything just quite so beautiful. Please, if you get a chance, go and see it. Uh, If you're looking for an all-action movie, forget it. If you're looking for deep, intrinsic plot plot twists, forget it. That's not how this one works. But if you're looking for fabulous storytelling, great cinematography, and a beautiful aspect of humanity, then please just go and, and enjoy this. And I have to say that from a Christian perspective, it just reminded me of the importance of storytelling and the importance of the greatest story of all, the gospel. Well, we often look at someone who's died, and uh, this week, it's this lady. When I was born to call daughter, 
That's the one thing that daddy made sure of He shoveled coal to make a poor man's dollar My daddy worked all night in the valley That is the wonderful Loretta Lynn, the country singer, who is famous for many things, particularly the story of her biography, autobiography, Coal Miner's Daughter, the film that uh, I think it was an Oscar-winning movie adaptation of that. Her voice and that song, The Coal Miner's Daughter. Um, Extraordinary life. Her story carved out of Kentucky coal country. Uh, Johnny Cash said that uh, just how much he loved Loretta Lynn and I I just think she's a remarkable and amazing person or was a remarkable and amazing person and the song that she wrote about domestic abuse as well was uh, extraordinary. She stayed married to her womanising sometime bootlegger um, who also was her manager eventually. But I think it's out of such pain that sometimes great music comes. So, we look back over what we've looked at this week. The songs that make you happy. The Essendon affair and the ongoing discrimination uh, amounting fairly close to persecution. And by the way, can I say this about Andrew Thorburn? Here is a Christian who gave up an $850,000 a year job when he was forced to choose between his faith and his job. And he chose Jesus. He chose his church. I I think that's remarkable. We've looked at cheating in chess again, the confusion in world politics, including in Brazil, war, Armenia, uh, North Korea and Japan, US debt, Indonesia, sport again, a film review, Loretta Lynn. And then I want to finish with this. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. This is, of course, not City on a Hill, but it is City Alight from here in Sydney. Uh, many of you will know them. Their songs are being sung all over the world. This is a beautiful song, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. If I'm given the choice of choosing to be getting a, a millionaire in a company, but renouncing my faith or following Christ, I'm choosing Christ. If I'm given a choice of renouncing my faith or going to jail, I'm choosing Christ because he has absolutely everything. And all these situations that we're talking about, they can't be solved without Christ. I'm going to love you and leave you. If you wish to support this podcast, then go to the Podbean fundraiser, uh, go to the www.theweeflee.org for uh, all the links that we've got for this. 
Uh, please, if you're on the Apple Podcasts or other podcasts and you want to do a review, please do a review. That would help. Uh, podcast is growing ever more popular, but it's still good to get good reviews. And don't forget our new website, www.ask.org.au, where we're trying to look at a lot of these issues as well. God bless you and see you next week. Bye. For he has said